In today's episode, Corey and I discuss the expectation and sometimes even the anxiety that may come with your 2024 DCI audition. We talk about things that we've personally experienced as well as things that may prepare you as you enter in this new stage of your marching arts career. This is the 8 to 5 Club. So essentially... Just something that I want to obviously know within these next couple of months, you know, throughout this month of November, and then we have December, and then sometimes even January, auditions are coming back up. Everybody's looking at their designated cores that they resonate with. But I kind of want to backtrack with you, Corey, like your own personal experience. What was it like way, way back then that when you auditioned? What was it like for you and what was kind of going through your head as you were approaching your audition slash satellite camp? Yeah, well, first of all, not you calling me old way back when. Anyway, yeah, so I'll talk about my uh, like my first time actually auditioning for drum corps, which was 20... I guess it was like when, like December of 2016 Dang. for the 2017 season. Yeah. Dang. Um, yeah. Uh, I was auditioning for Blue Devils B. And basically, I, I sort of had been peer pressured into it by some of my like marching staff and some of my other um, my peers. Um, we had a lot of people at my high school kind of feed into the Blue Devils B program, which is awesome. Um, we kind of lived close by to that Concord area. So when I first went into those auditions, I, I like didn't even really know what drum corps was to start. Like I didn't fully know what to expect out of the summer. And I also obviously then didn't really know how to prepare or what the expectations were for like how well I should be able to play, how well I should be able to march just because I had never been in that environment before. This is something I would recommend if, if you're in the same boat and you're auditioning for drum corps for the first time, see if you can get a couple extra lessons with um, some of your marching band staff. Thankfully, a couple of, a couple of my staff were um, able to help me and some other, some other of my peers out and do just a couple like, you know, marching lessons and like we went over jazz running and they kind of helped prepare, prepare for the visual part of the audition. And then obviously for the for the music audition, first things first is if you get to pick um, the excerpt that you get to play, which I don't know for how many chords this is the case, but at least for Blue Devils being in 2017, for the mellophones, um, you know, we'd play some warm-ups for the audition and then um, we got to pick an excerpt. So I think that's also something you need to spend your time on is picking picking your audition music wisely. Um, so yeah, if you have like a private lesson teacher or even your band director, like consult with them and see kind of what the best music to pick is and just practice being in good physical shape too, is very, very important, even as a drum major too, but especially if you're, if you're going to the marching. So I remember I had a calendar, like a, a physical wall calendar and I think for two or three months before my audition, I would write down every day like uh, how far I ran and how fast, and how many like how many push-ups I did, and like how long I could hold a plank. Like I was just doing some basic like 
you know, training like running and push-ups and like practicing holding my horn um, for my kind of physical preparation. So yeah, I would recommend it start that physical prep like at least two months before. And there's so many good programs out there like Forte Athletics who we've had on the podcast before. They have a great audition drum corps prep um, program. So yeah, that, that was a very long answer. In short, I was very nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And the way that I handled that was I started my preparation really early and I was very organized and very thorough with it and made sure to ask for help from people who I knew, like marching staff and my band director. So that when it came to audition time, yes, I was nervous, but at least I felt very well prepared. That goes for any audition. So what, so like when you, you said earlier, make sure that you're, you consult with your band staff, but like, I know a lot of people that are in the similar predicament for this year are like, okay, what do I pick? And a lot of overthinking happens. I know a lot of my lesson students are like, Jared, what piece should I conduct? So what kind of was like your thought process back then when it comes to the term of making sure you pick your pieces wisely? This goes for, I was mostly talking about like mellophone music, but this also applies to um, drum majors picking an excerpt to conduct for their audition. You want to make sure that your total audition repertoire, so including the material they're giving you, plus the things that you get to pick, your, your total repertoire should show a range of styles and tempos and... Um, yeah, mostly mostly just styles. So if it's like music, it should you should be showing slow lyrical like ballad kind of music, showing that you can conduct or play at a slow tempo, expressively all that thing, all that stuff. And also there should be music that is faster and technically challenging, maybe you know, 16th note kind of like etude stuff. Figure out I would First, like, look at the audition packet that you're given and see what kind of music is on there. Like, if there's a lot of technical stuff already, maybe you want to pick a piece to bring in that's more of, like, a lyrical thing. If you are really strong at, like, technical, fast stuff, pick a piece that shows that. You also definitely want to kind of play to your strengths, too. Like, don't pick something that you know is not going to rep rep represent you well. I agree. I guess my approach into the audition process now that it's officially about to be two years since I've auditioned, we're currently in November and I think around Thanksgiving will make it two years since I originally auditioned. Now, I was fortunate enough at the time where BD was at a place where other than Corey, they needed to establish a team and they didn't have that. So you know, that's where me and, um, you know, Dina and the rest of my peers kind of come in to kind of fulfill those. But during that time period, I was fortunate enough to experience a satellite camp in July um, and they came to Georgia. And even that alone, like my drive over there, I was like, OK, I never did drum corps before. This will be considered my age out. And I've never been drum major before all these people are showing up that probably have drum major experience and all that other stuff. So the anxiety alone was there. And like, that is probably what a lot of people are overwhelmed with. And that's why a lot of people like cop out because they allow the fear to take over. But I recommend to all my students, I'm like, look, a core, a good core 
a core that is morally aligned with having real positive values towards like good membership management is not going to pick you on your technique for i mean Corey, you have more insight on this i don't believe that i was picked to be a blue devil because of my conducting if you remember back then my conducting was trash oh sos call life alert help it was terrible but it's all about the quality of the person and how well you interact with the members so luckily my mentors like marvin reed he was a great mentor to me he's somebody that i called and was like hey letting you know my name is jared i'm auditioning this year so a piece of advice is you know you're gonna go there the nerves are gonna be there but all you can do is control yourself you are there to represent you and if it's a good core and i'm not talking about score wise i'm talking about how well can you listen to the members talk about how great their experience was while being in that core the fear is going to be there. I can't negate that. But what I have advised my students, I'm just like, you are there to be your most authentic self. If they don't, if if it's not resonating with them, not in a negative way, but you know, right moment in time, maybe somewhere else it needs you, your your place needs to be somewhere else because a core may need you, whatever it is, right? You just go there and you do your thing. Don't look at the other candidates and say, oh. You know, this person did Phantom or this person did Genesis before I did. And they're automatically going to get picked because I guarantee you that is not going to automatically be the case. So that is one. Two, once you experience the satellite camps, and I think a lot of people do do this where they reach out to other people via social media now, um, but it's hard to reach people. One, I treat Facebook now like it's the new LinkedIn Honestly. So when I knew that I was auditioning for Blue Devils, I was like, okay, let me do my research. Who was in Blue Devils during this time? So I reached out to a uh, Blue Devils drum major who directed me to Marvin. And then Marvin also helped me direct myself with Chasen and connected. So it's just make sure that you speak up and reach out. And it's also great to for people to also remember your name and your face. Um, because then when I went to the camp in November, a lot of people were like, oh, you reached out to this person. They spoke all about you. Bing. So it makes your relevancy known. So, I mean, with that beginning part, um, you know, just make sure that you have that in mind. But for Corey, like, during any of your auditions, because you had the luxury of being the mellophone player, what was it like auditioning for the A-Core? And then what were the things that you were kind of going through that you may feel like may resonate with other people? First thing, I just want to make a note that I definitely think we should talk a little bit about um, performance anxiety or audition anxiety, because I, I think, you know, there are definitely ways that you can help yourself with that. So I'll circle back around to that, but just as a, as a sticky note for myself, after the 2017 season, I marched with BDB. I knew I knew I wanted to end up at the A core eventually, like pretty much everyone in, in the B core, and I just kind of decided to go for it. And I was also lucky that I had so many like years. Like I was still very young, so unlike you, I, I had much less pressure to actually you know have a successful audition. So I kind of justified you know purchasing that audition packet and signing up for the A core audition as 
you know, hey, this is good experience. Um, if I don't make it in, it's fine. Like, maybe I'll take a year off. Maybe I'll march with BDB again. I got time to decide. Um, so that, that did take a lot of pressure off. However, even though I would say that, and, you know, if people ask me, that's kind of, you know, how, how I'd explain my mindset. In, in reality, I was going into it as a serious audition. You know, most people who end up marching drum corps are interested, even in the activity in general. But, you know, we're competitive people and we're high achievers and, you know, we push ourselves, right? So even though I was very young and I knew that the chances of me getting in were very slim, I took it really seriously and I did the same thing where I, I you know, I had my calendar and two to three months before that audition, I was kind of ticking off the days and making sure I was staying on track with like my fitness and making sure I was like practicing a certain amount of times per week. And I remember too, uh, a couple weeks before the callback camp um, for the 2018 season, my family went on family vacation for a week and I took my mellophone, like I, I flew with my mellophone and on vacation I would like be in the closet in the hotel like practicing because I wanted to be prepared for the callback camp. And that was something that I ended up talking to the brass caption head at the time, John Meehan. This was around the callback camp. He was, you know, asking questions, trying to get to know me. And uh, somehow that story came up in conversation. And I remember him like writing that down as we were talking. And even years later, he would tell me about that story. And he was like, that is one of the reasons why like you stood out to me is like, you obviously had a work work ethic. So yeah, I, when I was going into that audition, it was, I was like really putting the work in, like really, really putting the work in. And so when I showed up, I was even more nervous than I was the year before. I, I remember so vividly rolling up to this high school and my mom was driving me because I didn't even have my driver's license back then. I was uh, 15, I think. And everyone, we parked at the school and everyone else like around us were parking. They're getting out of their cars and they were like these full grown men with beards and they looked, they were like college students. And I was this like tiny little 15 year old. And I just, I remember that so vividly, but I walked in there and I kind of trick myself into thinking well I don't I didn't have to trick myself because I did preparation but I just like held my head up high and like walked in there and started to say hi to people and like tried not to let the um the obvious like age difference affect me it's easier said than done though definitely and this goes on to what I want to say about audition anxiety and performance anxiety in a lot of performing situations, auditions included, the mindset of fake it till you make it is actually very, very helpful. And your logical brain is useful in your preparation, you know, obviously being organized and being, you know, setting a goal for like how you want to practice. That is all useful leading up to the audition. But your logical brain, I think, can take a backseat once you actually show up to the audition. And you have to kind of bring out, bring out the healthy narcissist in you. And if you have a backing of hard work to back it up, it's not, it, you know, you're not going to feel bad about doing that. But easy, obviously easier said than done, like we're saying. You just, 
have to you have to be confident you have to believe in yourself that is something that other people can see that is something that is going to help you so much fighting off audition nerves and you know when you're asked to do something during the audition that maybe you've never done before yeah it's 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 a it's a different mindset and i think that you can also practice getting into that mindset in the weeks months before leading up to your audition so like any musician will do, they'll do mock auditions, right? So, you know, invite a couple friends over, ask to play for your band director and just run through a whole audition, maybe do some visual stuff in there too, like practice being in the performing scenario or the audition scenario and practice, see what you can do, see what you can say to yourself that will help you mentally switch between anxious, overthinking mode to confident, and very mindful, very present mode. It's definitely interesting to hear that. I know exactly what you're feeling, but I could never like put it into words. But what I would say is just like, during my audition process, once I got there, of course, all the questions in my head of imposter syndrome comes into place, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, should I even be here? Oh my gosh. Am I the oldest one here? Like everybody looks so young, but I had to tell myself, do not dwell on what you can't do when you don't know what you're capable of. Like literally before I was auditioning, I was unaware that I could be mindful of how to like turn the doctor beat on because I had other people do it. And then I wasn't mindful of like, oh, okay. Watching how the Viz staff work or reading essentially, quote unquote, reading the Viz staff's mind in order to know, okay, they want music here or, oh, they want this tempo and all that other stuff. So it's just like, you just got to go there and be the sponge that you can be and allow that to relax you. Have that sponge-like adaptability to where it's like, you know what, I'm going to soak up what I can and I'm going to be useful like a sponge will. And we'll find out how that how that plays out. But I, I do want to bring up a thing as we are having this conversation what we are kind of trying to mold is a general conversation in regards to the audition process. But there are clearly a distinct difference in these audition processes when it comes to battery auditions, color guard auditions, wind players, and then drum majors, right? On my point of view, the wind players that are auditioning, right? You have a whole bunch of candidates, right? Of course, there will be a time where you have to play something one-on-one. And that's the hardest thing that you do. After that, the rest of it is just kind of playing. And if you mess up a note, you got mellophone one and three on your left and right. To where if you as mellophone two mess up, you can kind of hide within that sound of people that got it right. With the drum major candidates, it's a little bit different. Because I think the pressure of being drum major, you have this feeling that you are obligated to be perfect. And that's hard because like when you make a mistake, it's it's shown in front of everybody. And then you're thinking, oh, these people are judging me. They don't think I'm able to be, or they don't think I'm capable of doing this position. They don't think that, you know, your confidence lowers when you make a mistake. There's so many drum majors that I hear all the time. It's like, oh, I made this tick. Oh, I made this. Oh, I accidentally did this. I accidentally put my horns up. And, and it's like, okay. And that trumpet player missed the note at the last three reps that we did. God forbid the drum major 
who is on 110, 25-8 throughout the entire camp, makes one little mistake, right? Now, I understand. Now, there is a set precedence of drum major audition specifically to where, okay, if you're making a tick, like 13 ticks in one hour, that's when you're like, okay, babe, we need to wake up. <laughs> no tea, no shade. We need to start waking up because you are in the limelight of this role. And the people that are adjudicating you want to see how well can you manage all these tasks as at once while also giving the quality with assisting the material at hand. That is what you are here for. But, you know, I hope that people listening can kind of hear the difference of like, one, if you're auditioning for drum major, be your most authentic self. Do not beat yourself up if you're making mistakes, especially if you've never done this before. The amount of times that I have made a mistake in front of Corey can't even count on his hands and toes. Like, I, I, I at this point. So it diminishes... It diminishes your quality of character, and I don't say that in a negative sense, when you start dwelling on the mistakes that you made. You react to it, oh, oh my God, I suck. Oh, I can't do this. Is that what a drum major would react like? Exactly, and I think something that you can take into consideration, no matter if you're auditioning for drum major or anything, like you know, trumpet player, snare drummer, whatever, is that I've heard staff for years and years and years on end, the staff will, will say that they're not expecting the people who come in for an audition to be the same you know, skill level, the same quality as the people who will leave the field at Lucas Oil on finals night. And for everybody, you need to remember that the staff views you as a student, a student. So being teachable and having room to grow is one of the best, like some of the best qualities to have as you're coming into an audition. The staff, they're teachers and they want students who they know have things to learn still and will have a good attitude about learning things. Now, the, the thing I want to say in regards to ticking as a drum major or ticking in general at your audition is recovery from a mistake is something that you can practice beforehand. And so what I'm talking about, this also kind of goes back into um, being able to do mock auditions. You're practicing conducting this excerpt and there's a lot of meter changes and you're like, okay, I'm going to run this through and you get 16 bars in and then you accidentally conduct a 3-4 instead of a 2-4 or something. Now, a lot of people, if they're just in practicing mode, you know, it's not audition time yet. If they're just practicing at home, they're going to stop immediately when they make the mistake and then start over again. But what you need to do is build into your practice sessions, like full run-throughs where even if you make a mistake, you have to pretend like you are actually conducting the show in real time. And so you're like, okay, I'm doing a full run-through. No matter what, I'm going to keep going until the end of this piece. So then, you know, do 16 bars, you accidentally conduct a 3-4, you have to practice what you're going to do to keep going. And also be aware of like what you look like visually, what happens on your face when you make a mistake, 
And that's something you also can try to like practice out of you. See how your body responds and see if you tense up or see if you freeze. And take that time, the months that you have before this audition, spend time in the practice room practicing recovery. I think not a lot of people do that, but it's very, very important. And it's helped me so much. Uh, and uh, that wasn't even a thing that I thought about until like I had to do it in the act. I think it was like a Friday night that we had the first camp made the mistakes. And then I felt the muscles tense up and I was like, oh my God, I'm about to freeze. Wait, nope, I can't. And even if there are those moments, because we are human, um, during your, uh, your viz audition, the viz portion of the camp, or during the conducting portion of the camp, you do freeze, hold yourself accountable, raise your hand, hold your hand across your heart, say, my bad, and then move on. Don't, don't think about how embarrassing it was. Move on. That's, that's the only thing. But with that being said, with the understanding that candidates are coming in to have the experience that they want, whether that's with Crown or with Blue Devils or with Boston or welcoming back SCV into the limelight, there is a specific job that certain veterans can do where you don't need to be the section leader of that season in order to make sure that these candidates feel comfortable. For example, you know, there's a, there have been many moments where the veterans kind of have this chip on their shoulder where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to audition, but since I had a contract last year, I'm just going to get it again this year. And there's this subconscious, and I use this term loosely, cockiness that happens and yes, we want you to feel confident. We know that you have your spot, this, that, and the other. But then again, how do you look to these new people coming into your organization, right? So and it can be even with the questions that they ask you. It may seem silly to you, but you make a you know slightly cocky remark or smart remark, you are coming across as standoffish. And I think for veterans, you need to be mindful of the leadership position that veterans have, that that doesn't have to be your horn sergeant, that doesn't have to be your section leader, color guard captain, center um, snare, drum major, whatever. One thing that I really, I really, really like that I know that the Blue Devils color guard does at the November audition, you know, the very first audition for everybody, all the all the color guard auditionees are there. There are probably like 15 to 20 veteran color guard members there. And what they do during that camp is they're sort of like the teachers for small groups of auditionees. You know, maybe this one like flag feature or this one bit of choreo that they're responsible for knowing and teaching to the auditionees and they'll break out into their small groups and you'll see them out rehearsing for a couple hours before the auditionees go back in and perform that um, for the for the actual staff to be evaluated and the the veterans are like taking full accountability for getting all the auditionees no matter what their skill level is up to the standard that they would want their fellow members to be, right? You know, they're training them as if they will be the people they're standing next to on finals night. So I I think that's kind of one way to think about your job as as a vet. And I think, you know, for Hornline members, at least I know auditions are a little less involved, 
But think about when you show up, if you decide to, you know, help out at an audition camp, like don't immediately go and try to find your friends that the other vets that you marched with before and make a big group and just keep talking to them. I've seen that so many times because then all the auditionees that are here are, all right, I guess Blue Devils has a has a vet click or something and it's just very exclusionary. So be very aware, be very like overly inclusive of everybody because you as a vet represent the entire organization and there's so many auditionees who will only be around the Blue Devils for that weekend. You know, they might not get a spot or they might decide that another core is is right for them, but you don't want to burn that bridge and you don't want to leave a bad taste in their mouths when they think of the Blue Devils or, you know, whatever organization. Yeah, I, I think that is a good point. And it's like, at least for me, when I was going through the audition, I, I was in a weird state because I was like, yes, I'm, you know, a little bit older, but I'm also like a new member. So like even through a drum major's perspective, at least my biggest thing that was advised to me was how well do you interact with the people? And even with the veterans, it's like, how well are you interacting with these new members? Are they only your family once they get a contract? Then that means that your love and support is only transactional. It's literally conditional where it's it's contract based. You only love me when we are in the summer out in the heat for three months and then after that you're done so it's just you know you never know in this world you never know what can happen so it's all about just building these connections and so it's like you gotta pay attention and appreciate the people that are making the effort to at least show up because there's a lot more people that didn't um and even it like how to interact with people. I think everybody assumes that they have to be the most extra extrovert person out there. No, especially we don't want you to fake it either. You know, when there's people at that audition camp where you're like, they are smiling ear to ear, baby, you look crazy. <laughs> like we don't, we, we can tell that something is off. Okay. I know a lot of things that allowed me to, now I'm a, I'm a social person. Corey is not is not a very social. I don't want to speak yes. for you, but you I don't think it. you're as social. you can say it. <laughs> not a very social person. Okay, you are not a social person, right? Now, on my point of view, from an extra extrovert who is trying to interact with people as a drum major candidate, I think there was one moment where, um, you know, because the the staff asked the horn line members, oh, what do you think about this person auditioning for drum? Okay, what do you think about this person and whatnot? My goal is to just at least make people feel comfortable around me and I have to earn their trust. I can't just expect them to get it if I were to get drum major, right? Needless to say, we, I remember I was flying into California and then I rode, um, we like picked up some people who were at the airport or came via train or something. We loaded up the bus with a whole bunch of BD candidates, like auditionees. And I'm the only drum major candidate on the bus. Everybody's quiet, glued to their phones, right? Ding in my ear. I had Uno cards in my bag. Boom. <laughs> we, <laughs> we played Uno because it was an hour and a half um, bus ride to the site, the the high school that we were um, doing the auditions at. We, I, I like took a second. Everybody got on the bus. It was like at least 
15 awkward minutes of silence. Nobody was talking. So then me, I was like, hey, so who finna lose at Uno? I said, you finna lose? You gonna lose? You gonna lose? It was like, the bus was like 12, I want to say like 15 people, 12 of us like were playing, you know, in our groups or different times. And I didn't win a single game. But what I did win was the experience. So then now when they go back, oh, Jared, like, did you guys meet Jared? Like, we had fun. Like, he was being all, he was talking trash, but yet he lost the game. Oh, you know, we built a core memory there. Or I had a um an old vintage, like, camera that you can get at, like, CVS or Walgreens. Yeah, like, disposable one. Oh, yeah, that's what it's called. I said vintage. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyways, whatever. Um, I, with permission, I would meet, even if they were a candidate, even if they were a vet, um, I wanted to, because of course, it is we have the right to enjoy our experience overall. Even though we want a spot, we can enjoy it. I was like, hey, do you want to just take a picture for my little beady like, scrapbook? And we took a picture and then I, and then that opened the floor to get to know people, right? Now, my experience with Corey being an introvert, Corey was still great with one-on-one conversations. So like we would wait in the food truck line, Corey and I would talk. But I remember the audition, I think it was like the last day you and I had lunch together. Uh, and we just started talking from there and I made it a goal to just ask questions not related to Blue Devils specific because we're hearing that all day, right? So don't be that candidate that is, you can have a passion for drum corps, but ain't nobody asked anybody to be no historian, okay? You can talk about things that are outside of BCI when you're interacting with certain people. And Corey and I were just, I mean, Corey didn't really leave the music space. I think he uh, was at UCLA majoring in music performance. So we ended up, yeah, (laughs) we ended up talking about music anyway. But I made it a goal to ask anything that you know he liked outside of that. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Like once you go to a certain number of like audition camps, you can like I could literally script out a conversation that candidate X will have with candidate Y. So it's like. What's your name? What do you play? Where are you from? You march anywhere else? Oh, cool. Do you know this person? I know she marched with in that core. Oh, you do? How funny. And like literally you will have that conversation with the 100 other people that are auditioning there. So yes, definitely try to get to know people. Like I knew... Jared was a kindergarten teacher, and so I remember that's something we talked about because that was super interesting to me. So, yeah, don't talk about band all day. Like, it's so boring, you guys. Please. Literally. (laughs) It is. It is. I mean, but, like, we are, you know, it gives you permission to kind of escape that narrative. And I keep telling Corey, whenever he wants to substitute one day for my class, like, he is willing to fly from uh, Texas and... Or at least come in on a Zoom and do a read aloud. That would be insane. I think Blue Devils will even post that. Because they're like, oh, wait, Corey can read? Psych. Just kidding. Um, But yeah, I mean, (laughs) overall, 
you know, it's good to just enjoy the experience. We understand that the performance anxiety and the imposter syndrome is going to hit, but understand that it takes a true calling, especially for someone who has not even approached, you know, DCI before, haven't had a chance to experience it. If you're coming in from a high school program that isn't as um, competitive as the high school programs that go to, let's say, Grand Nationals, you know, and you're making the conscious effort to audition, that's something to be proud of because there there had to have been a calling that happened in order for you to be like, you know what, I think I have a chance and I believe in myself. And understand that the leadership qualities never leave. All the things that you know on how to be a good person and how to be kind and all that other stuff still applies during this audition, right? Especially if you are a section leader or a color guard captain, you know, this may be something new, but understand that if you got to look out for other people, that's because you naturally are great at that and you can have that flourish even in drum corps. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going through your brains, but understand that, you know, you are there to be you. How you prepare is up to you understand that you know if you have more years it may not be right now but it will happen someday and if it's your age out rage out which is stressful enough in and of itself regardless of what that contract says you had the experience which is good and you more than likely walked out learning more things slash new things that you probably never knew before Yes, and one thing that I always keep in mind for any audition I do is that if you end up not getting the spot, it's because that you weren't going to have a good experience there. If you're presenting yourself in a way that's not authentic to you and you get a spot, then that's not that's not your spot. Like you you weren't the person that was auditioning, you're going to have a bad time. So, I I think, you know, that can make you feel better if if unfortunately you you don't get a spot for that season, just know, very cliche, but it wasn't meant to be. And if you are lucky and you do get a spot, then if you present yourself authentically, then just know that it, it was meant to be and you're going to have a good time with it. Definitely. And in conclusion, I mean, overall, as you prepare, I mean, some auditions have already happened by now and some of them are either happening at the end of this current month or going into December, understand this, people are human. You're going to have people in that audition pool that are going to be unbelievably, unbearably cocky and are very vocal about it. What you are being tested on is how well do you interact with that? Do you engage with that type of behavior? Do you kind of tag along because you think it's cool or you think it's the right thing to say? Or do you hit them with a, okay, you move on and you do what you know is right, you know? Um, you're going to have people that are not as, you know, confident. How well can you encourage them? But also, how well can you encourage yourself when those mistakes happen? But thanks to Corey, what does your recovery look like? What does the recovery part of your process look like? Are you practicing during your mock auditions or getting other perspectives in order to understand what you're getting or what you're signing yourself up to. 
be prepared. Make sure you have the logistics planned out. What is the plane? Who's picking you up? Do you have all your belongings? With all the drum major candidates, I personally tell them, bring your own equipment. Drumsticks, gawk block. If you want to be the helpful drum major, make sure you got some valve oil. And even in California, it was so windy, I had to bring rubber bands because we were outside in the wind. So how prepared can you be during this time? And then um, understand that you have this phenomenal opportunity to learn something new. And if you are teaching at a certain program, there are things that you can bring back. Um, but if you're an inspiring, aspiring educator, you know, you have things to look forward to as you approach your career. So needless to say, you know, we hope that this helped and we, you know, we are launching this at a perfect time in order for you to listen and to share and to like and give us some feedback on how your auditions went. This is the eight to five club podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please visit www.silentcommand.org if you want to take some lessons as you prepare for your DCI career. And if you want to advance your skills, please visit www.coreycastillo.com. But until then, we will see you next time.